1: Tonight we feature a little herd series, since only three episodes exist, where Glenn Ford starred as the detective-for-hire Christopher London. And there's a Canadian connection here, too. Glenn Ford was born on May 1st of 1916. His father was an engineer with the Canadian Pacific Railway, and when Ford was six, the family moved from Quebec, first to Venice, then to Santa Monica, California. He was best known for playing ordinary men in unusual circumstances. He was most prominent during Hollywood's Golden Age as one of the biggest box office draws of the 40s, 50s, and 60s who had a career that lasted more than 50 years. And although he played in many genres of movies, some of his most significant roles were in the film noirs Gilda of 1946, The Big Heat, 1953, and the high school angst film, Blackboard Jungle, 1955. However, it was for comedies or westerns which he received acting laurels, including three Golden Globe nominations for Best Actor in a Comedy Movie, winning for Pocketful of Miracles in 1961. And oh yeah, he also played a supporting role as Clark Kent's adoptive father in Superman 1978. Five of his films have been selected for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress after being described as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. While attending Santa Monica High School, he was active in school drama productions, and after graduation, he began working in small theater groups. And while in high school, he took on odd jobs, including working for Will Rogers, who taught him horsemanship. Ford later commented that his father had no objection to his growing interest in acting, but told him, it's all right for you to try and act if you learn something else first. Be able to take a car apart and put it together. Be able to build a house, build every little bit of it, and then you'll always have something. Ford heeded the advice of his dad, and during the 1950s, when he was one of Hollywood's most popular actors, he regularly worked on plumbing, plumbing, wiring, and air conditioning at his home. Well, let me jump to 1941, when he acted in the film So Ends Our Night, where Ford delivered a poignant portrayal of a 19-year-old German exile on the run in Nazi-occupied Europe. After the film's highly publicized premiere in Los Angeles and a gala fundraiser in Miami, President Franklin Roosevelt saw the film in a private screening at the White House and admired the film greatly. Ford was invited to Roosevelt's annual birthday ball. He returned to Los Angeles and promptly designated and registered as a Democrat, a fervent FDR supporter. He said, I was so impressed when I met Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt. I was thrilled when I got back to Los Angeles and found a beautiful photograph, personally autographed to me. It was always a special place and held a place of honor in my home. Now, tonight, we have Christopher London starring Glenn Ford and the episode Pattern for Murder. In
2: New York, a famous composer sips his brandy and dies. The lovely lady vanishes. On the French Riviera, a childish tune is played again and again behind the locked door. Jagged pieces of a horrible puzzle
3: fitted together into a pattern of murder by Christopher London. National Broadcasting Company
0: presents
4: Christopher
3: London, created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl
2: Stanley Gardner, transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson, and starring Mr. Glenn Ford.
3: I am Christopher London who can't even take a little walk in the moonlight with a beautiful woman without finding a dead body in his path. Everyone else seems to be able to do the average sort of thing, go to a show or a concert without the man in the next seat winding up with a stiletto in his back, but not me, no. Like that night, I went to Carnegie Hall to hear the new piano concerto by my old friend Louis de Was the kind of man you seldom come across anymore. Vital despite 60 odd years, with an eye for the ladies, 20 cigars a day, evenings of brandy, roulette, and romance. Well, after the concert, he slipped away with me to a small bar around the corner from Carnegie Hall where we could chat quietly. Oh,
2: Christopher, how I detest to listen to my own music. Oh, nerve wracking. Ah, it will be good to get away, to relax. No music, no work. Where are no one- you going? Juan Delta. She has written me to spend a holiday at her chateau in Monte Carlo.
3: Delta, the pianist? Yes. Oh, that's a great artist, I've heard her play. Oh, one
2: of the most remarkable women of our time. Even now, at 60, she can captivate the heart of men half her age. The vitality, the allure... I, I fell in love with her twice in my life. Once at 16 and again at forty. I even wanted to marry her. Me, Louis de Chaise, willing to marry... But I couldn't afford uh, extravagance. Oh, that is another statement. <laughs> well, she lives to the hilt. Compared to her, I'm middle class. Oh, how that woman lives. The fortune she's lost at roulette. The racing car she has bought. The chateau she's lived in. Oh, she sounds wonderful. At 60, she is not only a great pianist, linguist, mathematician, poet... Do you know you
3: sound as though you're still in love with her?
2: It's too bad you couldn't afford her. Oh, need I tell you how little a composer like me earns? few concerts a sale of records that is all oh for a man with my taste it has been hard but now all will be changed christopher when i return i should be a wealthy man Mm
5: -hmm.
3: how are you going to manage that Uh, (laughs) i cannot tell you christopher
5: i
6: beg your
2: pardon is this seat taken oh no Uh, do sit down mademoiselle
6: i was at the concert Oh, it was a beautiful concerto, Mr. Duchesne.
2: Oh, oh, you know who I am oh. oh, how nice And you are? Oh,
6: just a girl called Anne Anne,
2: uh, this is Mr. London Hello Hello Another round, gents How about you, young lady? Uh, yes, the young lady may have whatever she wishes Oh,
6: oh uh, no, I only
2: intend Oh, that... but I insist
6: uh, Thank you A vermouth
2: cassis, please Another cognac for me uh, Christopher? Uh, no, no, thanks. Anne, may I tell you that you are the most beautiful young lady that I've met in many a Dalier? Christopher, isn't she exquisite? Very.
3: Yes, I'm partial to lavender eyes and red hair. Thank you. Perhaps
2: you are a musician.
6: Oh, no. I'm... I'm nobody. Oh. It's strange, my... my sitting here with two men who lead such exciting lives. I, too heavens, I know the name Christopher London. Here's
3: your drinks. Oh,
2: thank you very much, yes.
6: To your concerto, Mr. Duchesne.
2: To Mm. your beauty, Mademoiselle Anne.
6: Thank you. Oh, look, isn't that a turbie over there? Where? Over there, in the corner. Turn around and tell me. Mm,
2: No resemblance, but it is not a turbie.
6: No, I, I see now it isn't. Oh,
3: Dear, what time is it? Oh, let's see. That's uh... Oh, 11.40. Oh, I
6: must make a phone call. Do excuse me for a second. I'll be right back.
2: Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, such beauty. Oh, that soft skin. (laughs) That red hair. That red hair is one
3: of the finest wigs I've ever seen. Oh, Christopher, ridiculous. Somewhere I've met her
2: before. But where? You cynical young man. Oh, no, my friend. You are so wrong. You are... Honey, I. I. I i am dis- dizzy. What's the matter? My eyes. I. Huh? Christopher! Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait. What's wrong
7: with
3: him, mister? He's dead. She?
7: How?
3: You better not wash that cognac glass. I have a hunch the police will find poison in it. Getting us to turn our backs. That's the oldest trick in the world. We fell for it. That. Redhead? Yeah, yeah, the beautiful, phony redhead. You were right, Mr. London. Poison. Uh, How about the girl, Inspector? Not a trace. What gets me is the motive. Why bump off an old guy who writes music? (laughs) Maybe the music was real lousy, huh? No, no, somebody didn't want him to go abroad. Uh, That's tough luck. Europe must be swell this time of year. Yes, I I think it will be. What do you mean? I'll see you when I get back. Where are you going? To the south of France. There's a woman I ought to meet. Uh, (laughs) That's different. I thought you were going on business. I am, Inspector. Grim business. It's always hard to lose a friend. Especially when his music has brought joy to a world which needs all the joy it can get. I was angry, cold angry. Poor Louis de Chaise. Never again to see his old love, the great, the famous Wandelker. And to come back a wealthy man. What did it all mean? Why should he die at the hands of a girl with lavender eyes and a lilting voice? So I boarded a plane for France. (laughs) The next night, I walk into the fabulous casino at Monte Carlo. I went from table to table, looking for the artist and woman known as Delka. when suddenly... Hello, London. Huh? Well, Phil Zeruccio, huh? <laughs> How time flies. Last time I saw you, a, a grand jury was indicting you for murder. Yeah, but I got a good mouthpiece.
4: How's
3: Broadway? A lot safer since you were deported, Phil. I got news for you, London. I ain't particularly delighted to see you here. Eh? Afraid I'll spoil some little project you're working on. Listen, I'm a respectable businessman. Bought myself a chain of rustlers, pure as the driven snow, you might say. Speaking of me, I bet. Probably every politician from Marseille to Rome is bribed up to their beards. Oh, sweet London! Better yet, don't talk. Just beat it. Get out of Monaco. Try Bulgaria or Iceland. You know, I've often wondered, Zeruccio, did you really have 40 guys killed off like the DA said? Or was it all us? I'm warning you, London. Stop needling. I got pull in Europe. I can have you out of here in a day. Keep your nose clean and stay out of my hair. I knew Phil Zeruccio. Compared to him, Lucky Luciano and Lepke were sissies. Or was he on the level about turning over a new leaf? And what was he doing here in a plaid dinner jacket wandering about the casino of Monte Carlo? Did he know the girl of the lavender eyes? Had he ever heard of one Delka? I strolled out into the gardens, thinking, thinking. Penny, for your thoughts, Kit? What? Oh, well, Professor Sullivan. Oh, I'll bless you, Kit. It's good to see you. I've missed you dreadfully. How did you know I'd be here? Intuition, my friend. Wait a minute. Don't kid me, Professor. Every time I'm working on a case, you pop up. Havana, Paris, everywhere I go. Ah, but you pay me so well, Kit. can I do any favors now for you? I'm your humble servant. You can trust me. Oh, yes. Always for a price. (laughs) You have been in jail since I last saw you? Oh, only a fortnight. In Algiers. Oh, Kit. Algerian prisons are gloomy places. (laughs) Well, I suppose I've got to let you help me. Yes, that's right. You're my conscience kit. Mm. You always pay me to do something legal and save me from evil associations. I have a proposition. Oh, those words are like rose petals. How much? Fifty. What do I steal? Do you know a woman called Wandelke? Oh, yes, a great woman. Great pianist. A beautiful... Take me to a chateau. Oh, now, I'd be cheating you if I did that. See, the poor lady was... Did you say was? Yes. Made the saint's cherisher. Wondelka died yesterday. Tomorrow morning is her funeral. I stand uh, here, Professor, behind this tombstone. Oh, I dislike graveyards intensely, yes, but th- this funeral fascinates me. I wonder who are those two mourners? Huh? Oh, they are our only relatives—her sister and her niece. I came from Poland only recently. Uh-huh. I wonder what they look like. I wish they'd raise up their veils. Oh, that's better. Oh, thank you. Well, the mother must have been a beauty in her day. Wandelka was even more beautiful. At 60. Her only relatives, huh? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. She never married, did she? Oh, that niece is exquisite. Yeah, there now. Isn't she the most beautiful brunette you've ever seen? So she just came from Poland, did she? Yes. Hmm. Well, the day before yesterday, I saw her sitting at a bar on 56th Street in New York, in a red wig. Oh, that's impossible. Now, she came from Poland. Oh, Professor, it grieves me to tell you this, but you're a liar. Oh, Kit, if you didn't pay me so well, I'd be hurt to the quick. Now, how well do you really know these two women? Come on, now, tell the truth. I've never spoken a word to her. For $50 more, would you tell me the real truth? Oh, well, in that case, I thought so. Cash. Oh, Professor, Professor, you're a rascal. All right, here you are. Good, good. Now, the truth is this. Those charming women pay me to stay in this town so that I can notify them should anyone try and get near Wondelka's chateau. Why are they so eager to keep people away from that house? Who knows? Perhaps, I'll merely say, perhaps, Wondelka is not in that coffin at all. We've got another passkey here. Might do it. Kit we'll get into trouble entering without permission. Now you're a stickler for ethics at the wrong time, Professor. There now. That does it? Well, this is quite a place. Yes, it dates back to Marie Antoinette. Uh, I wonder where the servants are. You know, that's a strange thing. Kit a few days after the two women arrived here, not a servant could be located. Oh, naturally. Uh, where could Wandelka be? Oh, I don't know. Now, that I swear is true. Uh, oh, I wonder where that staircase leads over there. Hmm? Oh, that's to the bedrooms. All right, let's try it. Huh? Look, the uh, women will be coming back from the funeral soon. Uh, courage, Professor. Well, this, uh, this staircase was built too steep. Shh,
4: shh, Wait a minute. Listen, listen.
3: Behind that door. Perhaps that's Wandelka. Undoubtedly here. That's locked. Uh, Wondelka? Wondelka, is that you? Ah, it gives me goose pimples to hear that. A great pianist playing like a child, feeble-minded, insane, maybe? Yes. And why is she being kept a prisoner in her own house? Now, look, I'll give you another fifty. Now, if you were to offer me a million, I couldn't tell you, Kit. Those women tell me very little. Wondelka... Wandelka! Look, I know you're being held a prisoner. I've come to help you. Can you hear me? Uh, it's like a lunatic asylum. Come on, let's get out of here. Yes, yes, sir. They'll be back soon, and I want to meet those lovely ladies on a different basis. But, Kit, what does Wandelka mean to you? A friend of mine loved her. I have uh, come to offer my condolences at your loss I'm from America I I played many times in the Philharmonic Orchestra when Wandelka was the soloist
6: Won't you come in? Mama, this is an American gentleman who knew poor auntie He has come to pay his respects
5: You come at unhappy times Won't you sit down?
6: Thank
3: you, madame your sister was one of the great musicians, one of the great women of the century. She inspired me to love music and to love life. She will be remembered as was Bernhardt and Dozer and Madame Curie.
5: Oh, I am glad to know someone young and a foreigner still holds her memory, dear. What was the cause of her death, madame? Pneumonia. She insists on going to casino. She loves to play roulette. And that night it rained, it rained. And and she caught cold. She was so weak. Oh,
6: don't cry, Mama. The past is over.
3: Why are there no servants here to attend to your needs,
5: Madame? We wish to sit here alone with our grief. Oh, but we are being ungracious, Anna. The wine. Ah, your name is Anna. Yes My sister had always a great wine, cellar. You stay here, Anna, and entertain the gentlemen I
8: will get the wine Why you look at me like that, monsieur?
3: I came to find death And I found beauty Thank you It is so seldom one sees a Polish girl with hair so black
6: My father was part Italian
3: Oh, I see You know, were Renoir alive today, he would wish to paint you. Your coloring is exquisite. The black, black hair, the lavender eyes.
6: Make love to me, monsieur. This is a most unhappy time.
3: Oh, when a man is swept off his feet, love does not wait on birth or death.
6: I had heard how impetuous Americans were. No, no. What would my mother...
3: Oh, she's still in the wine cellar.
6: You are wicked. Oh? Welling. Winky. Yes. What is your name? name of a saint, but you are no saint.
3: Yet you are charming. Anna.
6: Mm.
3: Anna. Oh, Anna, I could compose a tone poem to that name.
6: Please, Mother is coming back.
3: Oh, mother has no sense of timing. Oh,
5: the steps are hard on old women. Oh, here, Anna, pour the gentleman his wine. Taste it, and tell me if you have ever had a finer amoroso. Yes, drink,
3: monsieur. Aren't you joining me? Not just now. Oh, but I insist your daughter at least take part in an old American custom. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, it's called the loving cup. Now, when a man meets a girl as lovely as your daughter, he asks her, he asks her to drink first from his glass.
5: Anna is too young to drink.
3: Oh, but well, surely an exception can be made here. I
5: accept
6: your flattery, monsieur. However... It I... is
3: not flattering. No, to look at you is to have some of the chill taken from the memory of your dead aunt. Now, wait. Don't I hear a piano being played somewhere?
5: Oh, no, young man. Imagination plays tricks, you know.
3: My poor sister. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I must have imagined it. Come, Anna. You shall have the first sip from my glass.
5: I cannot allow, my daughter. I insist. It is difficult, young man, to know where flattery ends and rudeness begins.
6: With you.
3: Surely you can't object to drinking your own wine, Anna? Or can you?
6: Oh, of course not. No, no, certainly not.
3: Well then. Anna, no. That's a pretty phony accent you girls are wearing.
6: All right, wise guy. Now just stand quite still. Well, what
3: a smart little revolver!
6: It'll do the work, <laughs> professor.
5: Yes, yes, I'm coming. Tie this fool up in the
2: cellar. Oh. Poor kid. You shouldn't have come here.
3: Oh, Professor, sometimes you shake my faith in the human race. You're listening to Christopher London,
2: starring Glenn Ford.
3: know, Professor, that gun pointing at me is superfluous. Uh, bless you, kid. I take no chances with you. Oh, where's your shame? I mean, taking my money and then telling those women about me. Well, it's difficult to have both a conscience and a bank book at the same time. Uh, what wouldn't you do for money? Offhand? I can't really imagine. <laughs> uh, tell me, how much did they pay you to double-cross me? Fifty thousand francs. Well, that's hardly worth the effort, the way francs are these days. Now, don't undermine my confidence in international finance, kid. Dinner? I pity you. Here you'll sit and starve while they go on trying to get her secret from her. What secret? I wish I knew. I asked Lottie. That's the girl who calls herself Anna. Lottie's from Newark, New Jersey. Worked in a burlesque for a while. Well, I'll bet you did. I asked her what secret would one docker have. She only snarled at me. It's amazing how beautiful women can snarl. Mm. Louis de Chaise was poisoned at the bar by Lottie. Why? He was coming to visit Wandelka. He was sure he'd strike it rich. Now, what had Wandelka written him? I mean, why should she, of all people, be kept a prisoner? Why the fake funeral? Too bad you'll never know the answers. You think they're asleep by now? Oh, yes. Oh, think of that wonderful woman, Professor. Haven't you any sentiment? Well, for $500 in American money, I could weep buckets. And at the same time, cut your cords. Two hundred. Five. Either my price or I sit here and I starve. Now, which is it going to be? Oh, well, naturally, I can't let you die. That's well, a deal. Uh, so there's no use unless I get to that room upstairs. Oh, by the merest chance, I picked the old lady's pocket. What? Yes, I have the key. And for another fifty... No, 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 no. Oh, well, what can I do? My heart can't allow you to be eaten by rats. Oh. Wait. Yeah. I'll cut you free. That's, <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You're a noble soul, Professor. Yes. Now, here's the kick. Now, we go upstairs to find Wendelka. Oh, not me. No, I've had enough for one day. I'll go back and have sweet dreams in your hotel room. Now then, give me the money. Oh, I haven't it on me. How about tomorrow? Fortunately, in the past, your credit has been good. Well, Kit, we come to the parting of the ways. I back to town and you to... Yes, yes. Who knows where?
8: I don't know you. Go away. I don't know you.
3: Please try to understand what I'm saying. It's very important. I've come to get you away from these women.
2: I don't know you. Yes, yes, I know. All
3: right, I know. I know about that. We're going to get you out of here. I'll take you to a hospital. I'll take care of you. You'll be well again. Please, will you you stop playing and listen to me? My name is Christopher London. I'm a friend of Louis de
8: Ah, good. I had to make sure. Thank heaven you have come. The fools. The arrogant fools. Who did they think they were browbeating some poor little old lady? How easy it was to pretend I was out of my mind. You say you know my friend Louis.
3: Yes. He was all set to sail for France when he was murdered.
8: Murdered? Oh, no. Poor, poor man. How horrible.
3: Yes, well, I hated to tell you
8: Well, at my age, one's friends die one by one. Who killed him? That girl. It was that girl, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, poor Louis. He was always a boy at heart about a pretty face. Like I am about a handsome face. I must say, young man, I could not ask for a finer-looking rescuer than you. How romantic of you to bother about an old lady like me. Well, not really an
3: old lady. Don't be too optimistic. We've got to get out of here. This is a dangerous gang.
8: Yes, I see them all hanged yet. or the guillotine. their pretty head chopped off. Oh, my poor Louis.
3: Tell me, why did they kill him?
8: He was the only one to whom I confided my secret. Secret? Young man. I have three passions. Attractive men, the playing of the piano,
1: and the roulette
8: wheel. The first two, I mastered. But the third, now, at last, I have, after years, I have discovered the perfect mathematical system to break the bank at Monte Carlo. Oh? This gang... Found out about my system, Zutelor. They take over my chateau one day, pretend to be my relatives, get rid of my friends, get rid of my servants, and I am their captive. But I do not tell them the system. I destroy all papers, all calculations. Oh, but you must have one copy hidden. Ah, I have.
3: Now look, this is no time to play. Yes,
8: this is it. This is the system. Well, what do you mean? Played the tune in the key of E, using C flat as the code for number one. As the
3: old musical code.
8: Naturally. Played and varied five times. When it's decoded, the entire numerical system is spelled out. I've kept it in my mind all this time. Played it so I would not forget. <sighs>
4: Oh, uh, uh, yes. Okay, wise guy. I told you to
3: keep your hands off. Hello, Zeruccio. You're at the bottom of all this, huh?
4: Oh, what are
8: you going to do? Don't beat me again! Shut up, you idiotic fool!
2: Stop uh, playing and come across uh, to that system.
8: What system?
4: I'm just an old lady who oh, got My arm! Oh, my arm! My what? One's uh, oh no, you
3: don't, Zorushio! Out oh, of my
4: way, London! Not so fast! Uh, Get his gun I have it
8: Shall I shoot them both? It would be a pleasure You're not insane No And my fingers are exceptionally strong Thanks to Mozart You silly girl I'll stand guard, Monsieur London. You get the police.
3: What about the other woman? Where is she?
8: It does not matter. If she shows up, I'll take care of her. If she does not show up the police, they will find her.
3: Now, you're everything that Louis said, madame. Brave, wise, and beautiful.
8: Oh, oh, oh. I think soon I shall play a concert dedicated to you, monsieur. Oh, if I were 20 years younger.
3: You are eternally young, madame.
8: Well, hold up your hands.
3: Oh, you caught them. Yes, I'm afraid your heroics have come a little late, Professor. Oh, Wondelka, give him your gun. He will stand guard until I come back with the police. You must be weary.
8: Weary? Nonsense. After you are done with the police, come to the casino. I will be there playing my system. I'll treat you to champagne and introduce you to all the pretty girls. Oh, so that was it. A session to break the bank, eh? But uh,
3: what is the system? You'd like to know, Professor? Oh yes, very much, uh, very much. Yeah, I see. Well, give him your system, Wondelka. Allegro con molto. That was Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. Transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robson. And created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner. Tonight's play was written by Bernard Schoenfeld with a musical score composed and conducted by Van Cleve. Included in Mr. Ford's company were Ben Wright, Eleanor Audley, Ramsey Hill, Jeanette Nolan, Ted DeCorsia, Georgia Ellis, and Rick
1: Vallon. Stay tuned for The Life of Riley next on Theater of the Mind. Let me take you back to 1948 for another episode. Of the life of Riley here on Theater of the Mind.
7: It's new, it's amazing, it's Prell. <laughs> Real Prel shampoo. Yes, Proctor and Gamble's new radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. <laughs> Prel brings you the life of Riley. <laughs>
4: Well, the shampoo
7: that removes unsightly dandruff in as little as three minutes leaves hair more radiantly clean, radiantly lovely, presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Chester <laughs> A. Riley has been happily married now for 18 long years. And yet, on one night of each week, Riley tears off the bonds of matrimony and becomes a gay, romantic lothario the darling of beautiful women. On that magic night, Riley might be a boyish Van Johnson, a suave, sophisticated Walter Pigeon, or a dashing Errol Flynn. It all depends on the particular motion picture Riley and Peg happen to see on their weekly visit to the movie. Tonight, our hero emerged from the Bijou Theater transformed, if only in his own mind, into James Mason. At the moment, Peg Riley and uh, James Mason are sipping their usual after-theater sodas.
9: Riley, are you through with that soda yet?
7: Quite.
9: Then pay the check and let's go home. Right. Oh, I wish we had a car instead of walking. These shoes are killing me. Tight. (laughs) What are you mumbling about? Don't try to talk with your mouth full.
10: There's nothing in my mouth, Peg. Don't don't you get it? Get what? Uh, That that movie tonight. What about it? Look at me. Uh, Notice the bushy eyebrows? The hair hanging over my forehead? Look at the shape of my ears and my shining white teeth. What uh, movie star do I remind you of? Lassie. Uh, Now, cut it out, Peg. You know very well Lassie's a girl. Be serious. What star do I look like? A human being?
11: Mm, William Bendix.
10: Now, wait a minute. You don't have to insult me.
9: All right, I give up. Who do you look like?
10: James Mason.
9: James Mason? Yes.
10: Oh, <laughs> oh you think it's funny. Well, if I cracked you over the knuckles with a cane, you wouldn't think it was funny.
9: <laughs> oh, Riley, if you're James Mason, then I'm Jane Russell.
10: Well, don't say that I'm a dead ringer for him. It's just that he's got a certain air about him, and I've got an air about me.
9: Yeah, no, you sure have. You better stop using that new shaving lotion. It's horrible. In the movie, we were the only two people in a whole empty row, and they were standing six deep in the back.
10: I ain't talking about that kind of an air. I meant a kind of a romantic Savoy fairy. You may not have noticed it, but other women do. Look at that woman over there staring at me, and she's with some man. Hey, Peg, that's Hobart Morris and his wife. Hi there.
9: Riley, why are you waving at him? We hardly
10: know him. What are you talking about, Peg? Our junior and their Marilyn are practically going steady. They're coming over They're bringing their sodas with them Oh, hello there, Riley. Oh, hi. Morning, Riley What are you folks doing here?
9: Oh, we just dropped in for a soda after the movie
10: Yeah. Oh, did you see James Mason, too?
9: Yes, I just love him He's
10: charming Wait uh,
9: I beg your pardon?
10: Don't I remind you of uh, anybody, Mrs. Morris? Remind me? Right Somebody you uh, saw in the movie tonight uh, look at me. How's oh, Riley? Look at the eyebrows, the shape of my ears, the teeth. Well, who do I remind you of? Somebody you saw tonight. Oh, of course.
9: That wrestler, Gorgeous
10: George.
4: <laughs>
10: Not in the newsreel.
4: Oh. You mean
10: James Mason? You see, you noticed right away.
9: Oh, Riley, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> he, he gets this way after every movie.
11: Uh-huh. Riley, if you're James Mason, then I'm Jane Russell.
4: (laughs) Well, I don't see
11: what's so funny.
4: (laughs)
9: Don't you mind them, Mr. Riley? I think you're like James Mason. Oh,
10: thank you,
11: Mrs. Morris.
9: (laughs) Oh, don't be so formal, James. (laughs) (laughs) Call me Adelaide. All right.
11: I can't figure what you women see in this James Mason and the dialogue they give him. Did you ever hear a man call a woman "my heart's delight"? Heart's Delight. Sounds like an ice cream sundae. <laughs> hey, here it is, right on the menu. Thirty-five cents.
4: <laughs>
10: now, you just ain't the romantic pipe, Morris. Women go for pet names. You know what I used to call Peg before we were married? Uh, when we were in love?
9: Oh, Riley, for heaven's sake.
10: Oh, I ain't
11: ashamed. I
10: had a special name for it. Peachy Pie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right,
11: what do you know? That's on the menu, too. Twenty-five cents.
9: Oh. <laughs> I think it's very charming. I wouldn't mind being called Peachy Pie. Well, I I think. I we,
11: think we, <laughs> we
9: all better go home. Oh
11: yes, it's it's late. Uh, can we drop you off, folks? Oh swell. Yes. Oh, uh, you girls wait here. We'll get the car and pick you up. Right. It's over on the lot. Come on, Riley. Yeah, okay. We...
10: Uh, Riley, right, yeah. the check. No, oh, no, 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 no. Here, let me pick it. Up. No, no, no. I'll
11: pick it up. No, Riley, I insist on paying.
10: Okay, I'll meet you halfway. I'll pick it up and you pay
4: it. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Yeah, it's a nice little car you
10: have here, Mark. Yeah,
11: she runs fine. I've had her a long time, but she stood up pretty well. Yeah, she runs well. Yeah, but I'm getting a new Nash any day now. Yeah, well, I've been thinking about buying a used car, but you know those used car dealers? Yeah, true. In business, it's always better to know the man you're dealing with. You deal with a stranger, and you might possibly run into a crook.
10: Yeah. Now, if I could buy from a crook that I knew,
11: <laughs>
10: would you like to sell this car?
11: Well, I, uh, I might. See, uh, my wife wants two cars, and when I get the new one, I might talk her out of it. Yes, yeah, so I'll give you
10: a call. Oh, it's well. Say yes, Mom. Don't say anything to my wife. If I buy this, I want a surprise. Her. Oh, no, not a word. Not good. Well, well, hop there, ladies.
9: You sit in the front, Mrs. Riley. It's warmer. Oh, no, I'll yeah. sit. I'll sit in the back here with
10: James Mason. Right? <laughs> Taddeo, toodle pip-pip, and top hole. <laughs>
9: I, I don't oh, honest, know. Riley! How could you make such a spectacle of yourself? Hank, okay,
10: what did I do? James
9: Mason, and fluttering your eyelashes at Mrs. Morris.
10: Why, Hank, you're jealous.
9: Jealous? Me? Oh, don't be ridiculous.
10: I'm embarrassed. No, you—you—you're you're jealous, just like Morris was.
9: Oh, now you got Mister Morris jealous.
10: Well, sure. Didn't you notice? He—he he couldn't hide it. Couldn't stand his wife looking at a younger man.
9: <laughs> a younger man. <laughs> You're at least three years older than Mr.
10: Morris. Well, yeah, but he aged quicker. I, I stayed young for years. Happens all the time. What you call a case of arrested development. You see, physically I'm older, but mentally... Mentally,
11: you're still in diapers. <laughs> now,
10: Peg, let's not fight, right? I'm
11: not fighting, and I'm just annoyed.
10: Naturally, but is it my fault I'm so attractive to women?
4: But don't you
10: worry, honey. I've only got eyes for you, so cheer up. You're stuck with me for life.
11: <laughs> Fine way to cheer me up. <laughs>
10: oh, come on. Give me a kiss. Peachy pie.
9: Oh, I give up. Girl. Remember, though, next time you come out of the movies, be yourself.
10: Okay, okay, I promise. Huh? How about that kiss? Oh,
9: <laughs> all right.
10: Well, Pete? How does it feel to be kissed by James Mason?
4: <laughs> oh, hi,
10: Junior. Hello, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You having trouble with your homework? I'm not doing homework. i got to write a letter to Marilyn Morris. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, romance. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to write this mush, but there's this other fella after Marilyn, too, and he writes her these mushy notes, so she makes me do it, too. Hey, Pop, what goes on in a woman's mind anyway? Well, don't worry, son. You're young yet. You'll find out about women when you get married. I will? Yeah, sure. Of course, by then it'll be too late. <laughs> I can't write this dopey letter. Well, what about this other kid? Uh, he can have Marilyn. Uh, Junior. Junior, I'm surprised at you. What are you, a quitter? I never acted like that. When me and Sidney Monaghan were both after your mother, where would I be today if I'd have said, Oh, let him have her far as that goes, where would you be? Now, <laughs> uh, uh, sit down and write that letter. Well, I don't know what to say. I'll help you. I'm an expert on this kind of thing. Uh, what's this uh, other kid like? Oh, he's a real jupe. He's got a lot of dough. He's older than me and thinks uh-huh. he can... Uh-huh. Got the angle. Start writing. Okay. Dear Marilyn... No, 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 no. Start off like this. Dearest peachy pie. Oh, Oh no, Pop. Why, what's wrong? Well, a girl had to be a moron to fall for a line like that.
4: <laughs>
10: Junior, how dare you! You're talking about the woman I love. All right, Huh? Well, go on, write. Believe me, Junior, this is the way to start a love letter. Oh, okay. Uh, Just Peachy Pie. Uh, I'll say, uh, from the first moment I laid eyes on you, I knowed you was meant for me. Oh, uh, Pot, uh, the grammar's all wrong. Where? Oh, yeah, of course. Correct it like this. From the first moment I lied eyes on you, I know she was on me. <laughs> Oh, no, no,
4: Pop.
10: Well, okay, you fix up the grammar any way you want. Now, I will say, uh, I cannot offer you money like others, but money isn't everything. Marilyn won't go for that. Oh, sure she will. She's too young to know any better. Now finish it up and say I can only offer you a loving heart Make me the happiest boy in the world You're truly Your love slave I got that Oh Yeah, but Ah, Fine, ah, I'll take it over to Marilyn Morris' house And slip it under her door Can I mail it? No, you don't send this kind of a letter through the mail You deliver it in person It's more romantic that way Oh, no, Pop, I can't Listen, Junior If you want to get anywhere with women You mustn't be shy Now, when I made up my mind To marry your mother Was I shy? No I went right up to her house, walked into the parlor, turned the light down low, put my arms around her and whispered, Darling, lend me two dollars for a marriage license. There's Marilyn's house. Well, well, go on, ring the bell. Oh, Pop, I I can't, honestly. All right, then, I'll ring. I never saw such a kid You've got to learn not to be so scared of... Oh, here's somebody coming. Oh, Pop, Pop, I'm going. Here, you give her the letter. Junior! Junior, come back here! Junior! Yes? Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Riley. Oh, hello, Mrs. Morris. I, I just came over to deliver
7: this here letter.
9: A letter? Yes. Yeah. To my own peachy pie. Peachy pie? Mr. Riley, what's the meaning of this? Well, I.
10: Oh. oh, oh, oh. Oh, you you think that I that, that you? No, you see,
11: this here letter is, is at for the door, Adelaide. The, uh, oh, hello, Riley. Hello, what brings you here? Well, I I oh, think, what's this letter? Uh, to Peachy Pie Riley. Oh, well,
10: I, I was uh,
4: Junior, wait for me. Riley, come back here. <laughs> <laughs> he
9: must be out of his mind writing me a letter like this, dearest Peachy Pie. From the first moment I laid eyes on you, I knew you were meant for me. Uh. Just a minute, Marilyn. I cannot offer Mother, you. what on earth are you doing with my mail? It's
11: your mail?
9: Yes, that's Junior's handwriting. Now, please give it to me. Here, dear. You're welcome to it. Everybody's always opening my mail. <sighs> that's a relief. For one dreadful minute there, I thought he... <laughs>
4: yeah. I can't run
10: anymore, but I got it. He may come after me. He's got a car. Out of my way, kid.
4: Hey, Pop, wait. It's me.
10: Junior. So, so here you are. You coward running away. Well, but, Pop. Don't talk. Let's keep running. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Pop. Hey,
10: Pop, what are you running for? I kind of you. You got me in a jam. You and your love letters. But you told me to write it. You told me to write it. Just because I told you, do you have to do it? Haven't you got a mind of your own? If I told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? No. I'm your father and you'll obey me. (laughs) Boy, 12 years old, writing love letters. When I was 12 years old, I didn't waste my time writing love letters. I was writing the ABCs. (laughs) What do you think of as girls? Well, I'm ordering you to have nothing to do with girls until you're married.
4: Yeah, but, Pat,
9: if I don't go with girls, how'll I get married?
10: That's your problem. Keep running.
4: (laughs) Oh, but, Pat. I don't want to hear
10: no excuses. You stay away from women. I'm telling you this for your own good. Women are the root of all evil. You're too young to go around pulling up roots. Keep running. (laughs)
7: back to the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley, who imagines, as usual, that he is in desperate trouble.
11: Ah, uh, Pop. Dave,
10: who's that? What's only me, Pop? Oh, you scared me. What's the matter? You still worrying about that letter? Oh, I'm in big trouble, son. I should never have run away like that. Junior, your father is a big dope. Oh, no, you're not, Pop. I think you're pretty smart. Now, you just think I'm smart because you're a dope like your father. <laughs> You've you got to help me, Junior. Well, sure, Pop. Oh, well, now, now, now. Go over to the Morris' house and explain about that letter. Oh, no, no. I can't do that, but you Pop. But you've got it, Junior. No, you... I can't. I had a fight with Marilyn today, and I told her off. I'm through with her. I'm not going to her house. But, Junior, you don't understand the jam I'm in. Mrs. Morris thinks I wrote that letter, and she thinks I'm in love with her. Now she'll fall in love with me.
4: Oh, no. She's got more sense. <laughs> uh,
10: that's what they said about your mother, and look what happened to her. Now, you've got to explain to Mrs. Morris if I... Why don't you go? Well, sup- suppose her husband is there. Well, then you'll explain to him. You're not afraid of him, are you? Me, afraid? But <laughs> suppose he won't listen. Make him listen. Well, you start a fight. Then you'll fight him. But I'm a coward. Ha-ha, <laughs> I got
4: you there. <laughs>
10: no, no, you've got to go, Junior. Us men have got to stick together. You're just like me, son. We're cut from the same mold. You're just as moldy as I am.
4: we got to help each
10: other, will you go? No, Pop, I'm just like you. I'm a coward, too. <laughs> what a revolting development this is. Well, go on, Riley. Then what happened? Well, I ran away, Gillis. You ran? Yeah. Don't. Now they'll think you really wrote that love note. But I... Riley, maybe you did write it after all. Oh, no, honest. I told you Junior Riley, was... you can trust me. I'm your friend. I understand how these things happen. I'm a man of the world. A man sees a woman. Gillis, you got to believe me. I'm loyal to my wife. As far as other women are concerned, I'm just like you.
11: Now I know you're guilty. (laughs) Gillis, I swear to you. All the swearing in the world ain't going to help you when Morris comes after you. Morris? With a gun.
10: No, he, he wouldn't do that.
11: Oh, no? What would you do if some low sneak wrote love letters to your
10: wife, tried to steal her away from you, break up your home? What would you do? i killed a rat with my bare hands, and he'd deserve it. Any guy who Wait a minute, no fair, I'm the rat. Yeah, and Morris knows it. He comes after you with the gun. Against the law. Not the unwritten law. He aims the gun at you. You jump him. There's a struggle. A shot rings out. I'm killed. My troubles are over. No, oh, Morris is killed. Oh. Your troubles are just beginning.
11: There you are in your living room with a body. you got to hide it.
10: In the closet. No. My garage. If
11: they find it, you'll, they'll suspect you. Your
10: garage. That's good. Now I'm safe. You think so?
11: <laughs> Some rat squeals to the cops. Who? Me.
4: <laughs> I don't
11: want no bodies cluttering up my garage. The Homicide Squad Yeah. They take you to headquarters. They grill you. Till you confess. I won't confess. They make you confess. I won't. They
10: shine a light in your eyes. You're sweating. It's hot. They don't give you nothing to drink. You're dying of taste. Now will you confess?
4: Water! Water! <laughs> no! You done it! No! You left it so you killed it! No! You shot it! Alright, I shot him! I done it! Turn the light off! I confess! I confess! <laughs> right?
12: you're gonna find for this. <laughs>
4: oh
11: well, uh, Adelaide.
4: What is it, Hobart?
11: Uh, tell dear, have you decided about the car?
4: Oh,
9: yes, dear. We don't really need two cars, so I think you ought to sell the old one. Only... Only what? Must we sell it to Riley? There are enough maniacs driving around the streets of Los Angeles as it is.
11: <laughs> oh, Riley's not so bad. I promised I'd give him first crack at it. I'll give him a call right now.
9: How much are you going to ask?
11: Well, she's old, but she's in pretty good shape. I figure we ought to get a couple of hundred for her. Hello? Oh, hello, Mrs. Riley. They say, is Riley there?
4: Oh.
9: Oh, Riley, I'm glad you're home. There was a phone call for you.
10: Phone call for me? Who, who, who was it? Who was it?
9: Oh, now, don't get excited. It was only Mr. Morris. Oh,
10: Morris. For a minute, I thought it might be... Morris!
9: <laughs> Riley, come out of that closet. <laughs>
11: What are you doing in the closet?
10: But I, I, I'm looking for my gray pants.
11: You're wearing them.
10: I can never find anything in this house.
11: Oh, what's the matter with you? Never
10: mind me. What did Morris say?
11: Well, he's coming over to see you.
10: When? Now. What for? Did he say what for?
9: Well, he wouldn't tell me. He he acted very mysterious. He said it was a private matter.
10: Oh. And
9: you'd know why. Oh, I know. Oh, what's wrong? Nothing.
10: Nothing, Peg. Just remember, no matter what happens, I love you to the end.
9: What? Riley, will you do me a favor and lie down for a while? I'll talk to you when you make
10: sense. But Peg, listen, will you? I, I be-
9: haven't got time for your nonsense. i got to get supper ready.
10: Uh, she's right. I'd better lie down. I don't feel so good. Oh, what a mess. He'll be here any minute. That's him. He's here. All right, let him come. Okay, come and get me. I'm ready.
12: You're lying down, but you don't look ready to me. Oh, it's you, Digger. No nicknames, please. It's Digby O'Dell, the friendly and the
4: Well,
12: what brings you here, Diggerby? Oh, just a social call. I took the night off. Business is slow. I've got lots of things on the shelf, but they're not moving.
4: Well,
10: you may have a new customer soon. Any minute now, a guy's coming here to give me the business. And if he gives me the business, I'll give
12: you the business. Really? Digger, put away that tape measure. Forgive me, I'm just an eager beaver. What's the trouble, Riley?
10: Well, it all started on account of James Mason. Who? James Mason, the English actor. You know, top hole. Top hole? No. Bottom hole. Yes.
4: <laughs> But
12: actually, it's more my juniors fault. For... Ah, yes, children can be aggravating. Yesterday, a gang of hoodlums sneaked into my business establishment and plastered signs all over my boxes. Oh, I was furious. But
10: why? What did the sign say?
12: Do not open until Christmas.
4: <laughs> now,
10: I'm in worse trouble. There's a guy who thinks I'm in love with his wife and he's coming after me, maybe with a gun.
12: Oh, dear me, you must avoid this man. You've got to find a hideaway and lie low. And I'll help you. No, he'll come after me and find you. Not where I'll put you. That's too late. He's here. Quick, the back way. No, I ain't no coward. Frankly, I am. Uh, well, you? I'd better be shoveling off.
10: All right, I'm coming.
11: Hello, Riley. I phoned more.
10: I know why you're here, but... Let's talk it over first. Let's be reasonable.
11: Of course, I'm not going to hold a gun on you. Well, well, that's a relief. Yes, I talked the whole thing over with my wife. You did, and you can have her.
10: <laughs> You're giving her it to me?
11: Well, for $300. <laughs> three hundred dollars. Well, three hundred. I don't think that's asking too much. I've had her a long time, but I took good care of her. (laughs) Of course, anything that's been in the family that long takes a beating. (laughs) And especially with four kids. But all she really needs is a good paint job. (laughs) Why, the body's in good shape. You've seen it. I didn't look that close. (laughs) Now, look, Riley, I'm not saying she's perfect. Well, on a cold night, she's liable to start wheezing. (laughs) So I just choke her a little and she stops. Oh, wait a minute, Riley. I don't like your attitude. I'm not trying to palm off a total wreck on you.
4: Ah, oh, you can
11: get plenty of use out of her. You beast! Hey! Hey, come here, quick! Are you out of your mind, Riley? What's the matter, Riley? Take
10: a good look at this fiend. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to sell me his wife. Under the table yet. <laughs> He's mad. He's absolutely mad. Don't try to deny it, Morris. I heard you. I was playing along with you to see how far you'd go,
11: Riley. You big idiot! I you
10: I... ain't human, Morris. I would never try to get rid of my peg, even if she could use a new paint job.
11: <laughs> Why, for Pete's sake, Riley? Will you? And when listen? she
10: starts wheezing on a cold night, I don't choke her. I give her a nose drop. Oh.
11: Shut up a minute and listen to me. I came here to
10: sell you my car. My car! Your car? You mean the note? Didn't you find James Mason? Your wife? The old wreck? Choke? Why, the whole thing is as clear as day. Thanks. Thanks, Mrs. Morris. Don't want me. I'm still all yours.
4: What a revolting development this is.
7: (laughs) Riley will return in just a moment. At the first sign of unsightly dandruff, it's time to use Prell, Procter & Gamble's Radiant Cream Shampoo, in the handy tube. For in addition to leaving hair radiantly lovely, Prell leaves hair radiantly clean, too, free of embarrassing dandruff. Yes, in as little as three minutes, Prell removes ugly dandruff flakes. Doctors' examinations proved it. In most cases, even stubborn dandruff was controlled by only two Prell shampoos a week. Using Prell's a pleasure, too, because of that handy tube. No waste, no spill. Try it the very next time you shampoo. For hair that's radiantly lovely, free of unsightly dandruff, get Prell.
4: P-R-E-L-L Prell Shampoo Leaves hair radiant, gleaming bright Not a bit of dandruff
7: Gamble invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. The script is by Reuben Schiff, Alan Lipscott, and Dick Powell. Mrs. Riley is uh, Paula Winslow. Bigger Odell is John Brown. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker. And remember, for more radiant hair, free of unsightly dandruff, get the shampoo in the tube. P-R-E-L-L. Prell Shampoo. <laughs> This is Ken Niles reminding you to listen again next Friday when Procter & Gamble brings you a full hour of entertainment. First, Red Skelton, and then, The Life of Riley. Good night.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Adventures of Maisie, followed by Duffy Stafford.